long for Jesus is crying and is me you seek and the supernatural power to overwhelm this life and overcome tragedy, trials, tribulations and success lies in the truth of the word of God and nowhere else. You see there is supernatural power in the word of God but we forego it because we do not want to put the energy into understanding and embracing the true meaning of the word of God. But if we can hold on to, grasp, and understand the meaning of the Word of God, which is given through the power of the Holy Spirit, we would have the tools that we need to overcome addiction. We would have the tools and the power and the strength that we need to overcome longings that we cannot control, bad habits that put us into slavery. We would have that which sets us free because Jesus Christ is the truth and the truth will set you free. And if you're free in the Son, then you're free indeed. I would ask you today, how much do you long for the Word of God and how much energy do you put into it? Do you spend more time watching TV in the week or reading the Word of God? I think that it's a lost art in this day. It's a lost necessity in this day that we think that we, uh, that we can and are willing to put God's Word in the closet to the side as a side note and say, yeah, I know I need to do that. Maybe one day I'll get around to doing that, but not today. I've been one of those. I do not stand up here on a high horse saying, be like me, be like me, be like me, but I stand up here and say, Jesus Christ is the Word become flesh who is God dwelling among us and we need to be like Him. Continually dwelling in the Word of God, being all about the Word of God, letting it shape and mold our lives. You see, we hit trials and we hit testing every single day, but we do not know how to answer because we do not know the Word of God. Like Adam, we are in the garden and it, and it could be wonderful, it could be great, it could be magnificent, but we let it fall by the wayside and crush us because we do not know how to protect the goodness with the Word of God. That is what this series is all about, hitting the next level in our understanding and our ability to use the Word of God to protect our own souls and to protect our families. I am telling you today, that if you do not know the word, you are susceptible and you will fall and you will fail and you will get run over by this life and you will not be able to be used by God because you are impotent and you have no power, you have no weapon and you will not be able to be used for the kingdom of God like you should be used for the kingdom of God. If I could tell you one thing today before we get into this word, it is that you are called you are called, you are called to be able to use the Word of God in and out of season to answer everything. We take hold of arguments and we destroy them and we make them subject to Christ and His revelation. Your worldview is the worldview that holds the world together. Every other worldview, every other stance, every other political position, every other religion is nothing but liars and demons parading as angels of light. You and you alone have the word of truth, the word of God. And Jesus is the only God that can set anyone free. Everyone else enslaves and puts burdens that we cannot bear. 
Do not walk around inept. Do not walk around thinking that you're a Christian and that you yield the sword, but you do not know how. Get into the Word of God. You say, Brandon, I can't read. The Holy Spirit can. You say, Brandon, I cannot understand. The Holy Spirit can. You say, Brandon, I don't know what to say. I don't know where to go. I don't even know what to pray. The Holy Spirit can and He will. The only thing I'm asking you is, are you willing to trust God? Let us get into the Word of God because other than that, we're nothing. Today we're going to get into the Word and I want to show you today that the Word of God goes forward but then you are called to do something else. You are called to activate and to put into practice to use the Word of God in order to lead and guide your family and take them to the throne of grace, to the presence of God. Let me tell you something right now, people of God. If you don't know the Word, if you don't know how to use the Word, then you cannot be a priest. You cannot be a mediator. You cannot be used by God because you don't know how to use the, the Word of God in order to do the things a priest is supposed to do. I told you that this sermon series was going to go through these three offices of Christ, the, three, the threefold office of Christ, the prophet, the priest, and the king. We've looked at the prophet. We couldn't go too deep because we didn't want to spend a ton of time, but we looked enough at the prophet to know that the, the prophet proclaims the word of God. He puts things in, into the ears of the hearers. He, he is a messenger of God where he comes and God speaks. He relays the message to the people. But there is still a disconnect because we need a mediator to help us understand that word and to put that word into practice. We know that that is Jesus Christ, but there is a, there is a way that things are done. There is, a, there is a process by which we go through in order that we would be little Christ as well and that we would be priests to our own families. I told you that we are prophets to our own families. We must be every day proclaiming the word of God to our families. If you will not lead and teach them the word of God, who will? And we say, somebody will do that, will they? Are you willing to leave that to chance? Your children, your, your, your wife, your husband, your brother, your sister, your neighbor, they, they are depending on you and you are depending on them to lift each other up, to train each other as iron sharpens iron. We are to be prophets to our families, prophets to our neighbors, prophets to our community. We are to be used by God to proclaim his word because the hearing of the gospel is what is needed for the transforming of souls. If you won't do it, who will? This week we're going to learn, and next week, the next few weeks, we're going to learn that you are also called to be the priest of your family as well. And I will single you men out. You are called to be the priest to your family. You are called to be somewhat of a mediator between God and your family. Now, we know that Christ is the great mediator, the one mediator that connects us with God. But Jesus Christ is calling you to be like himself, to be a mediator, so to speak, that you would lead your family to the throne of grace, that you would intercede seed for them, that you would go before God and that you would plead with God, that you would lay them out before the Lord and say, here they are, oh Lord, please take them. And if you don't know the word, how are you going to know how to do that? If you're not willing to get on your knees in intercessory prayer, if you're not willing to go before the throne of God and plead their case, how will they ever know God? You see, I'm calling you to action this morning, guys. I'm calling you to action. The priest, we're going to get into it here in just a second, but the priest in every situation is called to go before God for the people and to do what needs to be done because they don't know that it needs to be done, they're not willing to do it, or they're not able to do it. I ask you today, 
You need to flip that thing around because I'm going to start on the other side. No, 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 not like that, like that. Just turn the whole thing around. There you go. It was like that for a reason, my bad. Thank you, guys. Before we do get into that this morning, I want to pray over this. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you a, 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 a four-note or a little parenthesis here. There is so much information in the scriptures and in every in commentaries I'm studying, and I was talking to Wesley this morning, I studied this past several weeks over the tabernacle, the priest, the prophet, priest, and king, and I'm studying this week, and I'm like, Lord, there is so much information here. Please show me what you would have me to show them. Because at the end of the day, you could talk for days, not just an hour, not just 30 minutes. You could, you could talk for days. And so I pray, God, help me to know what it is that you would have me to share with the people of God so that they would, be, so that they would benefit the most and that they would glorify you the most. And so pray for me as I share this information with you that it would be what God would want you to hear and that your ears would be open to hear it and that God would use it to transform and mold your hearts into the people that he wants you to be. We need to act on God's word so that he could use us to make a difference in this world. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that you would do that very thing uh, that I'm talking about right now. God, I pray that you would come, that the Holy Spirit would come, and that he would dwell inside of my mouth, that these words would come out prepared for the heart, that they would come out like darts that would pierce through the darkness into the heart, that they would actually hit without hesitation, and they would crack open those walls and those, those barriers that hold the word of God out. Lord God, I pray that this morning that you would breathe inside of me and that you would breathe inside of these under the sound of my voice that we would have a new fire and a new desire to read and understand the word of God that we would understand that if we want to make it through this life and not just make it through this life but absolutely overwhelm and conquer this life that we must know the word because we must know you Jesus help us to understand what we read this morning and what is taught help me to clearly portray what it is that you have shown me that they would benefit from the word of God I pray that you would be in every single word spoken and heard bless the reading and the hearing of your word in Jesus name amen all right we're going to be all over Exodus but uh, we're going to start out in Exodus chapter 40 that's what not that's not what is in your bulletin but it's where we're going to be first this morning and we're going to move around a, a fair amount I didn't put a lot of notes up here this morning because I want to complete freedom. Uh, I want to give the Lord complete freedom just to go where he wanted to go. But what I want to do for you this morning, I'll give you a little bit of parentheses. I'll look, give you a little bit of context and a little bit of uh, insight to what I'm doing. Okay, we have looked at prophet, priest, and king. We have looked at the prophet. Now we're going to the priest. And what I want to do is... I want to take you to the Old Testament and I want to show you the tabernacle. And I want to show you some insight to the tabernacle because some of you might, you know, you might have read the Old Testament before. You might have read those passages of Scripture where it talks about the tabernacle. It talks about sacrificing the animal and the walls and the tent and the linen and all this kind of stuff. And you're reading that going... I don't, should I even be reading this? I don't understand why I should be reading this. I don't, I don't get what it's telling me. Can I just skip over this part? You know, it's kind of like the lineages. And, and such and such begot this person and that person, and Zippadai and Zippadidudai, and, and all these other people. They go on the, the Jeb, Jebusites and termites and Adasites and all these other kind of things. And we're just like, what in the world is going on? We say, this must not be important because that's not even my language. This is Babylese. 
But at the end of the day, I want to show you today, I want to try to show you today that if you don't have a proper understanding of those Old Testament rituals and systems, you can still be saved, okay? I believe that. You can still know Christ. You can still hear the gospel and be saved. But the next level, now if you want to stay there, that's on you, okay? If you want to just, oh, I'm saved. I won't go to hell now. I'm okay. I'll go about my life, whatever. That's baby Christian stuff. That's immature little baby Christian. You stay there if you want to, not me. Who wants to stay there? Who wants to hit the next level? You see, there's places in the scripture where you read in the New Testament you're reading and you say, okay, I've read that, but I don't really get it. You see, in the book of John, it says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Okay, you can understand that somewhat, but what you fail to realize is that there is a, there's an entire section of the Old Testament that is devoted to God dwelling among his people and, and coming among his people and his presence being in the midst of his people. And so if you understand these things in the Old Testament, then it will give you insight as you read the New Testament and you read and you go, oh my goodness, I never realized there was so much depth to this one little phrase. For what God did for us when he took on flesh and dwelt among us, did you know that the word dwelt in the New Testament could be easily interpreted as he tabernacled among us? You see, there is so much more here than meets the eye. And if you're okay with with playing PlayStation and getting really good at Call of Duty and you sacrifice that, and I'm speaking from experience, I've done that before, sorry, Lord. Getting ripped, well, I wasn't really good because I'm old and my reflexes weren't good enough. And there was like 10-year-old kids from Oklahoma just smashing me. And anyway, that's another, I'd be so mad at 3 o'clock in the morning. and I'd have to quit that. I gave that up. I hadn't done that for years. But you can be really, 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 really good at that. And at the end of the day, really be terrible at the Bible. Is that okay? Is that okay? People of God, is that okay? It's absolutely not okay. We should be on ourselves and not not overwhelmed with guilt to where we want to kill ourselves, but we should be continually on ourselves, reminding ourselves that we are children of God, that we are to be in the Word of God, that we are to be training as soldiers, and that we are to be marching forward for the kingdom of God. Amen? Put down your PlayStation, put down your remote, put down your magazine, and pick up the Word of God. Amen? We need to be stronger in our faith. We need to be stronger in understanding so that we can answer those that have a problem. How many times have you stood before somebody and you just couldn't give an answer? Now, let me tell you something. You can study the Bible all day long and some people are just not going to be changed because they have hard hearts. But at the end of the day, God might want to use you to chop down that stubborn tree, but you're dull and you're going to have to beat it down because you can't cut it down. Let's get into the word... And let's see what God would have for us. And now we're looking at the tabernacle today and we're actually, we're gonna look at the tabernacle a little bit today, but what I wanna show you today uh, for the most part is the priest and the presence. Now I'm gonna flip these around when we go through our notes, but the priest and the presence, because what I need you to understand is, is that we're gonna get into the tabernacle and we're even gonna look at the furniture pieces in the tabernacle and we're gonna break that down and we're gonna see what that means about Jesus, how that foreshadows about Jesus. And if you wanna write down, if you really wanna hit the next level, you just don't wanna be sitting there listening to some words that some guy says on a the stage, then write this down, 
I want you to go home and I want you to read these verses because this will help you as we go through the next several weeks. The tabernacle is described in many places in the Old Testament, but some of the greatest places with the most detail is Exodus chapter 25, Exodus chapter 25 through Exodus chapter 40. That's 15 verses. I mean, 15 chapters, okay? 15 chapters. Go home and read a a chapter a day. Read it two or three times. Just read it. You say, I don't get it. I don't care. I don't get it either. You know, sometimes I have to read the same verse 15 times. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit will come and bing, lights on. You're not gonna get it every time. And some verses are gonna jump out at you, some are not. Go and read your Bible, Exodus 25 through 40. Some of it will say the same thing over and over. That's good because we're stupid, okay? Go and read it. Get in your Bible. Okay, now, we're, at, we're in Exodus chapter 40 right now. I want to talk to you a little bit today about the tabernacle, but I really want to talk to you about the, present, the presence and the priest because we need to understand a few uh, principal ideas before we even really talk about the tabernacle too much in depth because we need to understand what it is that God is trying to do through the whole Old Testament. It's the redemptive plan of God. You see, God was with us in the Garden of Eden. Now, this, this is a little bit of biblical theology, okay? We've got systematic theology. We've got biblical theology. Biblical theology takes big ideas through the scriptures and it connects them throughout the scriptures. And so you have things like the vine or the river of life or the tree of knowledge or the, the vine and its branches. All of these, the wine, all of these things you can see multiple times throughout the scriptures and the ideas grow and they're added to and light are shed on them so that you can understand better and better and better the city, the, the center. You see all of these things, you see them from Genesis to Revelation and all the way through they're teaching you something about Jesus Christ and about what God is doing and about what he is going to do, okay? And then you have systematic theology, which we won't get into that a whole lot today, but, and I've talked about this a little bit, but systematic theology would be certain doctrines that most of the time you can't find that particular phrase of that doctrine within the Bible, but these are ideas that are put together and they are doctrines, okay? Biblical theologies are ideas that go throughout the scriptures. Systematic theologies are certain doctrines that you go and define throughout the scriptures. And so what I want to talk to you about today is a little bit of biblical theology. And this is just really as a preliminary to what we're going to do today. Now, the idea is the presence of God. How many of you like to be in the presence of God? Come on. How many of you like to be in the presence of God? Isn't it great to be in the presence of God? When you're in the presence of God, everything else washes away. When you're in the presence of God, you may feel convicted, but you feel okay because God has got you. Sometimes when you're in the presence of God, you feel terrified because you know you've got sin in your life and you need to get that sin out of your life. But when you're in the presence of God, you can see God work, you can see God move, you can see God and everything is going to be okay as long as the presence doesn't kill you. In the beginning, in the Garden of Eden, God dwelt among his people. And then you have the garden which was on the outskirts and then you have the outer places, the nations. 
And God was in the center. He was in the midst of his people. And so he dwelt, he walked. The Bible says that he walked with Adam and he walked with Eve and he fellowshiped with them. So they were in direct, uh, they were in direct communion with him. They were in direct relationship with his presence and everything was wonderful. And then outside of that, you have the garden where the trees were and where everything else was. And they were supposed to take care of this. And then they were to go out. And if you look at this, we're not going to get into this too deep, but there is a river that runs out of this and it carries, the Bible says that it carries water to the trees in the garden and into the nations that it can water. You see, the same thing happens in Revelation at the, at the end when it says there'll be a new heaven and a new earth, that everything flows out from the presence of God and is fed by the presence of God so that it can grow and mature like it needs to grow. Now, what does this have to do with you and what we're doing today? Unless you get into the presence of God, you cannot grow. Unless you get into the presence of God, you cannot be sustained. Unless you continually get into the presence of God, you cannot know what you are to do and how you are to protect now how you are to live. The presence of God is what we need in order to be who God called us to be. Okay? Now, how this, how this absolutely connects with the tabernacle and what we're going to do today is, is that this is built, this idea right here, it goes throughout all of Scripture, okay, in different ways. I'll show you one right here, and we can't, we can't spend a whole lot of time right here, but when you think about this, in the center of God's will, the center of God's presence, when we're talking about the tabernacle, it is the Holy of Holies, And we're going to get into this in just a second. I'll show you the Holy of Holies. Then there's the holy place. And then there's the outer court. All right, now who do we know was in Eden? Who was in Eden? Quick. God and who? Adam and Eve. Was everybody in Eden? No. You see, there's only a few that can be in God's presence. There's only a few that can be in God's presence. In the Holy of Holies, who are the only ones? Does anybody know who the only one that could go into the Holy of Holies is? The high priest. The high priest could go in here. Now, who could go in the holy place? The priest, the other priest. The high priest could only go into the Holy of Holies one day out of every year, the Day of Atonement. And he could only go in if he had been through every ritualistic system that had been put in place for him to wash and be pure. We're going somewhere here. Hold on. The Holy of Holies, only one. The holy place, only one tribe, the Levites, were permitted to be priests. Now, not every Levite was a priest, but the only priests were Levites, and they were the only ones permitted to go into the holy place. And in the outer court, which I'm going to show you in just a second, anybody could go into the outer court. Okay? Now, we're going to read the scriptures, and then I'm going to flip this board over, and we're going to get started. Let's get into the Word of God. <clears throat> Exodus chapter 40. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, on the first day of the first month, you shall erect the tabernacle of the tent of meeting and you shall put, it, put in it the ark of the testimony and you shall screen the ark with the, with the veil and you shall bring in the table and arrange it and you shall bring in the lampstand and set up its lamps and you shall put the golden altar for the incense before the ark of the testimony and set up the screen for the door of the tabernacle. You shall set the altar of burnt offering before the door of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting and place the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it. And you shall set up the court all around and hang up the screen for the gate of the court. Now, I'm sure that you're going, okay. There goes that Babylese again. But this is absolutely critical and important for us 
to have a deeper understanding of who God is. Now, I'm a visual person, so I thought that this would help a lot. And there's a reason that we're doing this. How many of you want to know about the tabernacle? Like three, praise God. No, I'm just kidding. This is the tabernacle right here. Now, once we get into this, and once I open this up to you, it should, if you're reading your Bible, now, if you never read your Bible, this isn't gonna make a hill of beans difference to you, because you don't care. Because it's not gonna open your eyes to new things. But if you've been reading your Bible, and I, and I, and I know that there are some Christians here who are more mature, there's some who are brand new, there's some who are kinda in the middle, I guarantee you that a lot of you only read the New Testament because one, you, that's the only place you feel like you can understand some, and two, you feel like it's the only place that's relevant. Now there are another group in here that do read the Old Testament and you do understand how important it is. This is the Old Testament tabernacle. Now. Moses came down off of the mountain after he had got the Ten Commandments and God gave him specific instructions how to set this up. And he said, you must do it exactly like I told you how to do it. We find that in chapter 25, verse, uh, verse 8. Listen to this. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst exactly as I show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and of all its furniture, so you shall make it. So what we see is, is that, number one, the presence. I didn't put a lot of notes up. If you're taking notes, write fast. The presence Okay, there we go. The presence is, it's only gotten to in a certain way. You know, in our culture today, we hear people saying, oh, there's a lot of different roads to God. Nonsense. There is not a lot of roads to God. There is but one road to God. There is but one way to God. His name is Jesus Christ. And God has not changed his mind on this. He has had it this way from day one. There wasn't two Garden of Edens. There was only one. There wasn't two trees of life, there was only one. There's only one way to God. Now that's important because you may think, you may listen to the culture, you may listen to popular belief, and you may say, oh, well, as long as I'm a good person, oh, I can believe in Muhammad, oh, I can believe in, in what Buddha says, or, or you take it, whatever you wanna say. Oh, I can get my pleasure through this, or through that, or through this, no. Muhammad is a liar and Buddha is a demon. And that's on tape. Let me tell you something right now. There's only one place to get true fulfillment in the world. There's only one place to get true, absolute peace, absolute domination and overcoming of this world that's trying to beat you down. His name is? It is the only way. And he has been the only way since the very beginning. Let me show you. Now, he says here in, in chapter 40, and just keep up. Are y'all guys, you guys with me so far? Are you with me? All right. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, on the first day of the first month, you shall erect the tabernacle of the tent of meeting and you shall put in it the ark of the testimony and you shall screen the ark with the veil. Now, I'm gonna save all of this. I'm, gonna go, I'm actually gonna go through this thing with you over the next several weeks. But today I wanna show you something uh, just kind of broadly about this. As he goes through Exodus chapter 40 and he says, I want you to put the ark in. Here's, let me explain this real quick. Here's the ark of the covenant. This is the holy of holies right here, okay? And we'll just have to use some abbreviation. H of H. H of H. This right here is the Holy of Holies. It is a perfect square, 10 by 10. And out here, this is the holy place. It's actually a little oblong. It's 10 foot by 20 foot, okay? So this is actually, in, this is the tabernacle right here. This is the tabernacle. Now this is the outer court of the tabernacle, and this is a white linen wall. This is a white linen wall, and it has pillars 
all the way down through here and it's held up by some uh, cordage and things like that. And over the Ark of the Covenant, there is a tent. So he is in a tent. The Ark is where the presence of God is. This is the most holy place. And inside the Ark, now this is important for today, inside the Ark is what? Did you remember when we read it? What's inside the Ark? Anybody know? Huh? There's manna inside the Holy of Holies, there is. Uh, there's an, uh, there's uh, some incense in here. But inside, there's a top on this ark. Inside the ark is actually the testimony or the word of God. The word of God. You see, at the center of God's presence, what was at the center of the Garden of Eden? Quiz time. What was at the center of the Garden of Eden? The, the tree of what? The, the tree of knowledge. The Word of God is always at the center in the presence. The power is in the Word. Let me tell you, the Word is important. How many of you believe the Word is important this morning? Somebody say amen. You need to know the Word of God. And if you get to know the Word of God, you will be, you will be so powerful. And listen, I'm not trying to give you a big head. You can know all you want to. You can memorize books of the Bible, but if you don't know Jesus, you don't know nothing. We're not trying to get religious in here. We're not trying to get legalistic in here. I'm not telling you, you better go read your Bible because you're supposed to read your Bible. And if you don't read your Bible, you're going to be in trouble, okay? It's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to tell you if you want to be overwhelmingly powerful through the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, what he uses to do that through you is the Word of God. You stay pressed in to the presence. Now, the testimony, the tablets were inside of the ark, and this is where the power came from, and, and this is the veil. Now, here's the presence of God, and we said that only the, holy, only the high priest could come into the Holy of Holies. He's the only one that's allowed in here because he's the only one that God has given permission and has given the authority to go into this place, and he has to go through all of these steps to get into here. And what separates is this huge curtain right here. That some estimate, and we read the scriptures, three feet thick. Three feet thick. And this separates the presence of God from everything else, even from the holy place. We have the altar of incense, the bread of the presence, the lamp. Now, we will talk a lot about the lamp because there's a lot of stuff there in all of this, but the lamp or the menorah. This is the lampstand. You know, you see the Greek, I mean, uh, Jewish holidays where they have the, the big lamp there. It's called the menorah. And I always thought, what the heck is that? I never knew what that was. That's the golden lampstand in the holy place. And it's actually constructed and made and has a, a specific use. And when we understand that, we understand who we are supposed to be. But that's later on down the road. My big thing today is, is that there's a certain way. He said, there's only one place to put the, the brazen altar. There's only one place to put the sacrificial altar. And in between the altar and the tent of meeting is to be a bronze laver. You know what's supposed to be in here? Water. You know what the water does? It causes a reflection so that you can see yourself like a mirror and you can wash away your sins. The altar is meant to make the payment for your sins and justify you uh, to God. Th this uh, bronze laver right here is made to wash away and sanctify you to God. And then once you have done these things, once the, once the priest has done these things, then he can go through this additional screen to get into the holy place. And he's almost to the presence of God. There's a process that we must go through to get to the presence of God. You see, the place where God resides, this is the presence. The place where God resides, that is the presence of God and that is where power come, comes from. Let's move on to the second because there's, there's a problem here now. 
If every one of us really are outside of here because you're not a Jew, you might could make it through here, but you're not a Jew. You're, you're, you're certainly not of the tribe of Levi, so you can't get in here. And you're certainly not a high priest, so you're definitely not getting to the presence of God. So we've got a problem, don't we? And what's the problem? What do you think these walls represent? What do you think these screens represent? What do you think this gate represents? This represents the righteousness that you don't have that keeps you out of the presence of God. Keeps you out of the presence of God. You see, there is only one gate. These walls right here, this is 150 feet long. These are linen walls, white linen walls. And white is always in the scripture, almost always, every time I've seen it, everything I've studied, is the color of righteousness and purity. You can't pass these walls because what would happen if a dirty sinner tried to climb up a white wall? Got a dirty wall. Come on, that was easy enough. <laughs> yeah, you might get shot with an arrow or something. And then you've got another wall right here all the way around. Now there's one place where you can enter. There's one place where you can enter and it was always had to be, it always had to be in the one spot. We've got the west, northwest, south and east. It's always on the east. It's always on the east. And thank Phil Bocamp for this. We were looking at this one day and studying one day and Phil said, uh, I kind of understand now. And this will give you a little bit of insight because it helped me too. He said, I understand now why the Bible says that your sins will be cast as far as the east is from the west. The scripture interprets the scripture. There's only one place that you can get in to get to the Ark of the Covenant, which is the presence of God, and you've got to go through the one gate. There was another person in the scriptures that said, I am the gate. There's only one way. There's only one way. But the problem is, is that none of us can get there because none of us are priests. None of us are, none of us are high priests. None of us are from the right tribe. All of us have sin on us. We can't get in here. We're not even allowed to make a sacrifice on the brazen altar so that we can throw the blood all over us so that we can be washed away from, our sins can be washed away. We're definitely not able to get into here so we can clean up. We're just stuck. There's nothing that we can do. You see, there were, certain, there were certain people who were anointed for this task, and it was the Levite tribe that were the priests. We've got a problem. You see, the problem is, is that we don't care. There's only one gate we can get through. Only the priests can get through it, and only the high priest can enter the most holy place on the one day of the year, which is the Day of Atonement. You see, all of this is pointing us to the fact that something needs to be done. And once we get in to break down each, each and every one of these, we'll show you a little bit more about what Jesus Christ has done. But you see, there's a problem. Not just anybody can get in. Now we're gonna go through the last point and we're gonna spend a little bit of time here because Jesus Christ, we're gonna spend a few minutes here anyway, because Jesus Christ and the author of Hebrews shows us some amazing truths. You see, there was one time a year that the high priest was given the authority and the okay to go into the Holy of Holies. And that was the one day of year called the Day of Atonement. On the Day of Atonement, it was the one day of the year where they would make the sacrifice and then atone for the sins of the people. And what they would do is they would go in, the priests. Now, the priests couldn't just go in and say, okay, making sacrifices, let's get it done, throw a little blood around, we're good. 
The priests had to go through a ritual themselves, and these priests were not perfect. And so they had to offer, sin, offer sacrifices for themselves as well. Only certain people could come and offer those sacrifices, but even them, even then, they had to make sacrifices for themselves. Then they had to go and they had to wash. Then they went into the holy place. Then they went into the holy of holies. Then they offered the sacrifice. You see, there was only one path that they could go, and they had to make sure they were coming in just the right way. And they had to do it year after year after year, which presents another problem to us. Because how could you know that your sins were taken care of if you had to come back and do it another year? The answer is that it's not. I want you to, well, you don't have to turn there. I'll read it right quick. Listen to this. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 4. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Now, I didn't have time to go through all of this and show you that the priests were actually given two bulls and two rams and they made sacrifices and they threw the blood on the altar and they, they put the blood on themselves and, and that, a blood, that blood atoned for sin on the Day of Atonement. Now, Robert, what does atonement mean? Covering. You see, it would cover over those sins. That animal would receive that death and that blood of that animal. See, you could not, here's another thing, you could not approach the, the, the presence of God without blood. You couldn't get past the first part without blood. You have to have blood. Now, a lot of people in our culture want to take out the blood. They want to take out the sacrifice. You know, there's even a, a portion of the people that are believers, claim to be believers, that say the cross did not really happen, and if it did, it was divine child abuse. But you take away all power from the gospel if you take away the blood. Because there's power, power, power in the blood. You cannot take away the blood as a matter of fact, if you take away the blood, you have no hope of getting here. Hebrews opens it up for us. Let me read for, for you from chapter five. And this will be the last verse if the guys want to come on up from the band. I want to show you something here of the, of the high priest. So we've looked at a little bit of the tabernacle. We'll get into this a little bit deeper. This helps us now to understand. And if you want to understand even deeper, remember, go and read Exodus 25 through 40. Just read it all. Read it a few times. Let that be your study since we're going through it. And then go and read the book of Hebrews because Hebrews is going to go straight to it and it's going to interpret a lot of these things for you and help you to understand what all of this stuff means. Now, listen to Hebrews chapter 5, because this is some really good stuff. We're going to read in uh, chapter 4, the end of chapter 4, and then we're going to get into the first part of chapter 5. As a matter of fact, we're going to read 5 first, we're going to go back. Hebrews chapter 5, for every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward, since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins, just as he does for those of the people. And no one takes his honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Here's the big idea of the high priest. The high priest was the mediator between God and men. 
You see, no one was allowed to go into the holy place. No one was allowed to go into the holy of holies, but the high priest. So if the presence of God was in the holy of holies and no one could go in there, then how do the people get into the presence of God? How do you, friend, get into the presence of God without a high priest? How do you go before God? How can you go into the presence of God and be lifted up and be strengthened and know that you're in the presence of God and that he is never going to leave you? You need a high priest because only the high priest. And this is the picture of the high priest. The high priest is between man and God. He is not divine in any way. He is not supernatural, but he has been appointed to be a mediator between God and between man. And so he goes into the holy place. He goes into the outer court. He makes the sacrifice. He causes the blood. He, he pours the blood on everything around to make atonement for sin and to cover over their sins. And then he goes into the holy place and he reaches up to God and he takes the hand of God who is reaching down to him. And he reaches down and he takes the hand of man who is reaching up to him that cannot get to God and he brings them together. There's only one. Let me go back and show you now. If you don't hear anything else I say today, hear this. Hebrews 4, 14. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let's bring the lights down a little bit. I want you to get this picture right here. As we go through the tabernacle and we see the, the altar and the, the wash basin, and then we go in and we see the bread of the presence and the menorah and the lampstand, and we see the altar of incense, and we go in the veil and we see the ark of the covenant with the cherubim over it with the word of God inside and the, and the, the, the power and the presence of God resting there. We need to be there, but only the high priest can. You see, it couldn't be opened up to the people because the high priest had to go in time and time and time and time again. They had to sacrifice for their own sins, and since they were sinful and the blood wasn't perfect, they had to continually do it over and over and over again, so the veil had to stay. But when the one true God came, in the form of a man and the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. He was crucified on the cross and his blood is perfect and pure. He washes us with the water which is the Holy Spirit. He goes into the holy place and he becomes the bread of the presence and he takes the veil which separates man and God and the Bible says he rips it from the top to the bottom opens it up so that we all may enter and the Bible says today the problem is solved through the cross of Christ 
see, as we look at the tabernacle, we understand that there is a process, there is a way, there is an exact way that this has to be fulfilled so that the presence can fall on the people. And only Jesus fulfilled that way. Only Jesus took the sin and destroyed it on the cross. How many of you are just overwhelmed today? How many of you would love to come and sit in the presence of God? How many of you feel like you're unworthy to come and sit in because you're not a priest, because you're not holy, because you're not righteous, because you're not this, because you're not that? You're under the old covenant, my friend. You're under the old covenant that says you've got to go through all these rituals. You see, the old covenant has been fulfilled and is now being made obsolete. We are under the new covenant that is under the law of grace that Jesus Christ has fulfilled the old law. He has become the tabernacle and he has then transferred that presence to us so that now we are the tabernacle of God and he dwells inside of us. We have the right to be called children of God and we are part of the priesthood of believers. Through Christ, you are a priest. Through Christ, you are a mediator. Through Christ, you are a carrier of the presence of God. That's why you cannot sit on your hands. That's why you cannot keep your mouth shut. That's why you cannot sit down and do nothing. You must take and lead people to the presence of God. You must lead yourself to the presence of God. And you must drink deeply. You must eat your fill of the bread of the presence. As you read the New Testament, as you read the Old Testament, and you see Jesus Christ flourishing and growing in your understanding, press into him. As we all stand to our feet today, I would ask, who doesn't feel the confidence to approach God? Who doesn't feel like their sins have been washed away. Who doesn't feel as if they can come to the throne of grace with confidence and enter into his presence and be filled up full? So many of you are hurting today and you're longing today and you've not been filled, but it's not because Jesus isn't ready to fill you. It's because you think that you've got to do certain things and you've got to go certain places and you've got to be a certain person. But I'm telling you that Jesus Christ is the one who tore the veil. Jesus Christ is the one who fulfilled it. Jesus Christ is the only one that could have. If you're waiting to fulfill the old covenant, if you're waiting to be good enough, you're never going to be fulfilled. But if you will come and lay yourself down at the feet of Christ, then and only then will you experience the presence of God. The altar is open for those who are in need. The altar is open for anybody that would come and say, I've, I've wandered away and I've forgotten. I've forgotten what Jesus did for me. The altar is open for those that say, I never knew him. The altar is open for those that would say, I'm not good enough, God. Thank you so much for sending your son. The altar is open for those of you who are in need. The altar is open for praise as well. Come and bask in his glory and give him praise. The altar is open.